Hey friends, what up? It is Hannah. I'm back. I'm so excited. You're here for There's More. Should have rhymed that better. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the There's More podcast. This is your host, joyfully singing along with you, Hannah Nitz. Friends, this is kind of what I love talking about. I love talking about the more. And I'm glad that you're here because I want you to taste it as well. I define the more as this deeper, interactive, most awesome thing on the planet relationship with God. I've been a Christian my whole life. For the last 10 years, especially as an adult, I've done all the Jesus stuff. Like, I've been all about him. I've gone to the church, the life groups, the Bible studies, working for ministries, helping nonprofits. And I thought I had all there was to God. So to, in these last two years, experience the more, like this deeper, interactive, best part of my day is hanging out with God. I can't shut up about it. So that's what the podcast is. I'm glad you're here. Always talking about the more. And this week, we're talking about how the more is correlated with how smart you are. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. You'll find out. (laughs) So we're going to talk all through that. I'm just so glad you're here. Here we go. When I would talk to someone who would talk about this deeper relationship they had with God, or I just think of conversations or sermons or things that I heard where someone seemed to grasp the more. When I would hear them talk over the past 10 years, I would always um, assume that meant they were just really smart. You know what I mean? Like, I could talk about what's going on in culture right now and in politics uh, in a lot of friend groups and just roll around along fine. But there's certain people, let's say like some of my husband's colleagues, who I would sit down with and start talking about politics and they're just on a different level. Like, <laughs> they're using terms I don't know. They're like talking about these like economic theories and all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, these people are smart and they're deep and it's over my head. This is how I felt spiritually when I would get into a conversation with someone who had this deep relationship with God. Like they would start mentioning words in the Bible that, you know, what it meant in their original Greek language. Or they'd be able to just quote Bible verses off the top of their head or bring some like huge metaphor or just like spiritual concept or theological framework. And I was like, wow, that is above my pay grade, right? I'm not very smart. I mean, for goodness sakes, I hung out with Dr. Julie Slattery, you know, the author extraordinaire who out of anyone in my life had the closest relationship with God but she's a she's a doctor like she is her doctorate in psychology she writes books like when you talk to her about any subject you're like wow she knows a lot of stuff and these were always the examples of people I had who had this deep relationship with God authors I would look up to um, my pastor you know it's it's smart people and here's the deal I'm not very smart I mean I'm not dumb but I'm not smart. And I just think I, I don't know, I would look at this deep relationship with God and think that's just not something I have access to. 
Like maybe if I went to seminary, maybe if I had time to just sit around and memorize my Bible, maybe if my GPA had been a little bit higher and my ACT score had been a little bit higher, I would be smart enough to grasp these big concepts with God and then I could have a deeper relationship with him. Do you relate to that at all? Like, have you ever felt that way? I don't know. This is how I've looked at it for a really, really long time. And just to give you a bigger picture of why I disqualified myself as not being smart, my high school, you know, these high school stories, we all have them. Something that happened in high school that just cemented in your brain (laughs) that you're weird or that you're not that smart or whatever. Okay. I don't know if my high school still does this. I don't think it's a great idea, but I mean, maybe they do. Maybe it is. They ranked us on our report card. So when we got our report card, there was 126 students in my class. If you had the highest GPA on the corner of your report card, it said number one. (laughs) Like you were literally number one out of 126. If you had the lowest GPA, the worst grade, you were number 126. So essentially this system would like line you up from smartest to dumbest and tell you as a high schooler where you landed in your class. Now, the reason this is funny is I was so bothered, sweet little high school Hannah, wish I could go back and have a chat with her, that I was average. I was like, I'm not that short. I'm not that tall. I'm not that smart. I'm not that dumb. I'm not that athletic, but I'm not like tripping over myself. I um, I just felt so average. And sure enough, our report cards came out. There's 126 people in our class. <laughs> and the number in the top of my report card was number 63. And the reason I remember this, whatever, 17 years later, is because that is exactly 50%. <laughs> of 126 and I remember coming home and being like see I am so average I'm right in the middle all right so I'm average I'm not I'm not super smart and I really thought experiencing the more with God went hand in hand with being smart with how much your brain could handle of God um but friends turns out that's not true and I just didn't know it. And I just want to encourage you, in case that's something keeping you from pursuing this deeper thing with God, of like, I'm not as smart as all these podcasters and pastors and authors that I read, as the the um, Lisa Turkers and the Matt Chandlers. Like, I could never, I could never. So um, I submit to you, Hannah Nitz, Average Smartness, all in on God. (laughs) And (laughs) this could be you too. And I hope that's an encouragement that like, if you're listening to this, chances are you're actually probably smarter than me. And that's okay. I'm good with it. All right. That's not my biggest strength is my, is my smartness. Um, but friend, no matter where you are in that spectrum, if you were number one in your class or number 126 in your class, I want you to experience this more, this deeper closeness with God. So I suppose I'm I'm going to make like three main points on what I've learned as I've been experiencing the more with God and what you are invited to, sweet friend, about 
Like what it is about if it's not about how smart you are. So for example, point one, it's not about how smart you are. It's about how smart God is. Okay, so stick with me here. I was just reading in Matthew 16 um, where God is asking his disciples like, hey, who do you think I am? All right. Well, he was probably saying it in a nicer tone than how I just said. Hey, who you think I am? Probably not like that. Probably like, dear brothers, who do you think I am? I don't know. I don't know that Tony would have said it. I'll come back to that. See, I'm not that smart. All right. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. Uh, Jesus said, oh, no, wait, I'm starting before that. Okay. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the son of man is? Hey, that sounded good. Maybe that was the tone Jesus used. So he's like, hey, guys, who am I? Who do you think I am? The disciples said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, no, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him. All right, buckle up, guys. This is verse 17. And this is this is the big one. Okay. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, on you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All right, guys, so what just happened here? So Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, saying, all right, guys, you've been following me around. <laughs> you've been seeing all these miracles I'm doing. Who do you who do you think I am? Like, do you have a theory on what's going on? You're just kind of following me around. And the disciples are essentially skirting around the answer. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, my boy, my neighbor over here thinks you're Elijah. And this dude thinks you're a prophet. Another guy said you're John the Baptist. Jesus says, no, no, no. Not what does the book say? Not what does this guy say? Who do you say? And Peter gives the right answer. He says, Jesus you are the son of the living God. Okay, right? So he gave the correct answer, the smart answer, <laughs> and is is essentially like getting to taste this more with God. Like he knows who God is. He's following him around. He wants more of him. What does Jesus say? Jesus isn't like, yeah, high five. You're the smart one in the group, Peter. Or like, yeah, I'm so glad you were smart enough to figure that out. Good job, Peter. Guys, do you hear what Jesus said? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he goes on saying, essentially, Peter, like, you have this so right that I'm going to build my church on you. Like, you are going to be a leader of this entire faith, like of all the men and women who will follow after me, Peter, I like you are going to help make that happen. Now, what did Jesus say here? Flesh and blood, like your own Peterness, your own smartness, you being number one in your class, Peter, did not reveal this to you. My father in heaven revealed this to you. The only way that you know me, Peter, is through how smart God is. 
not how smart you are. Like, man, I remember being at this um, conference. Let me think about this. 2019. It was before Corona because there was like thousands of people in the same room. Man, do you remember those days? Uh, And I remember one of these speakers in her prayer. She said, God, we thank you for who you are. And we know that your truth is not discovered. It's revealed. And I remember popping my head up so fast in the middle of this prayer and looking around the room being like, what, what, what? Is anyone else looking around? What does that mean? God isn't discovered because of my smartness. God is revealed because of his goodness and his smartness revealing this to me. What? (laughs) That's crazy. All right, I'll give you another one. Matthew 13 Uh, verses 10 through 13. Then the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, why do you talk in so many parables? So he, you know, had gone on and given a bunch of parables, which a parable are these stories that Jesus would tell to teach a lesson or a concept, but they weren't very easy to understand. Like when you go through and read the parables in the Bible, you really have to like pay attention. You're like, okay, what is this example? What is he saying? The kingdom of heaven is like, you know, a man who found a field and sold all he had. So anyway, the disciples are a little confused by these parables because they really got to think hard. And so they're saying this to Jesus. Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11, Jesus answered them, to you, disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven But to them, it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they don't see. And hearing, they don't hear, and they don't understand. So that could be a whole two-hour conversation on what in the world all that means. But... Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's like, hey, I'm teaching in these parables. And the reason you're understanding them, what did it say? It says, to you has been given the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not. Essentially, like, if you're understanding what I'm saying, it's not because you're smart. It's because God gave you this knowledge. God revealed it to you. The same thing that he said in chapter 16 to Peter of blessed are you, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, your your father in heaven revealed this to you. Dang. Guys, knowing more of God, experiencing more of God is not based on how smart you are. It is based on how smart God is and his sweet, beautiful grace in revealing it to you. I think my second point would be experiencing the more of God or getting in this deeper relationship with God is not based on how smart you are, but on your faith. Man, this verse in 1 Peter uh, really caught my eye this week. So I just picked up another Simply Bible Uh, You can go to simplybiblestudy.com. These are studies that my friend Carmen wrote um, that are just like 
the best way to read the Bible. I just love them. Um, I've gone through John. I've gone through Colossians. And then I took a break from them for a while because I just love, I've learned to love reading the Bible on my own, just doing some Bible bouncing. And I just finished first and second Corinthians. But anyway, I wanted to go through first and second Peter. So I just picked up another Simply Bible. And if you notice, I've been having a Peter theme (laughs) in this conversation. It's because I've been reading a lot about Peter because the first week in the Simply Bible study, Carmen takes you to different scriptures all throughout the Bible, introducing you to Peter before you start reading first and second Peter, which are written by Peter. So I just read that awesome story of Jesus saying to Peter, man, God revealed this knowledge of him to you. Um, But let's go back to what I'm saying here. So it's not how smart you are. It's your faith. So anyway, just starting in first Peter, Right there in the first chapter, the first five verses. This is how you know a book of the Bible is going to be good. When you read the first five verses and are already <laughs> already amped about it. Like, boo, 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 first Peter in the house. Okay, first Peter one, uh, just three verses here. Verse three, four, and five. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have this priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of any decay. Okay, you ready? Verse five. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Okay, so what did this say about how we are accessing this sweet gift from God? And through your faith, not your smartness, not if you're able to understand the Bible in Greek, not how many hours and years you've spent theologically studying concepts. Through your faith. Man, I, I, this word really struck me as I was reading it. And I looked up um, <laughs> the Greek definition. <laughs> I'm talking such a big game about how you don't, <laughs> how you don't need to be smart and look up the Greek definition. And now I'm telling you about the Greek definition. But here's the deal. You use an app called Blue Letter Bible. You click on the word and you could look it up in Greek and it really helps. Okay, you too can do this. You don't have to go to seminary. Okay, so faith means a conviction of the truth. Man's relationship to God fully assured. Like this deep assurance, faith, conviction in what is true. And it's interesting how much I've been seeing this word faith when it's tied to the access we have to God. Like through our faith, again, not our smartness, not how much we know, this deep, deep, deep trust. And I think the reason this word's been standing out to me a lot is because um, Noelle Beck, you remember her a couple episodes ago? did an episode on prayer called Prayer Changes Things. Um, She has been studying prayer even more after doing that episode because prayer is one of her favorite topics to talk about in the whole world. And she's like, Hannah, 
you're not going to believe this, but pretty much most time that God is talking about prayer, he also is talking about faith. Like all throughout the scripture, all these verses on prayer or God healing or God doing things or moving mountains, the word faith is everywhere. And I had never noticed this before, but she sent me a 13-page document that she created called Prayer and Faith. And it's like, wow, this is everywhere. Um, I mean, literally, Matthew 15, 28, Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Mark 5, 34, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Luke 7, 9 and 10, people, behold, some people brought him to a paralytic lying on a bed. Jesus saw their faith and he said, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. When it talks about moving mountains, Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, You will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but you will say to this mountain, take up and be thrown into the sea and it will happen. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I mean, it's everywhere. It's this like constant thing that God is talking about that is as we seek more of God and seeing him intervene and come into our lives and heal and move and do these great things, it is not based on how smart we are or how much we understand these deep concepts. It's not, it's just saying it's not the, it's not how smart you are. It is your faith, man. And that's sweet because anyone can have faith. Like, It's, I'm never going to understand how to explain, like, how gravity works or, like, the scientific, what is that thing called? The periodic table of elements. If I had to, like, take each element and describe it, like, okay, maybe I could for years start studying all this and memorizing it and, like, get into chemistry. But, like, that's going to (laughs) take a lot, all right? Like, I don't even think I'm built for that ever. But faith like God talks about this for everyone like young and old men and women anyone to grow this faith and this is a piece of us accessing the more man that's sweet all right so growing in the more with God it's not based on how smart you are it's based on how smart God is it's not based on how smart you are it's based on your faith I would probably add in there that my third point. It's not how smart you are. It's how much you want God. And man, I've told you all the stories of what this has looked like in my life the last two years is it wasn't that I started studying theology. Like it wasn't that I was like, I want to learn how to defend my faith. Like this growth of knowledge. It was literally saying, God, you say That the most important thing on the entire planet is to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I just wish that was true. Like, I love you for who you are, God. But more than anything else in the world, like, could I actually want you and be fulfilled by you? 
more than anything, more than relationships, more than success, more than the nice house, more than well-behaved kids, more than the most delicious burger and milkshake on the planet, that like the thing that gives me rest and peace and joy and satisfaction is you, God. And man, that's I've talked about over and over and over is not how smart I am, not how much I'm getting it figured out with God, but this thirst and desire for more, more, more. I love this in 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, Probably if I start like in verse 26, it says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to earthly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were noble at birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human can boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Jesus Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Guys, like, this, God just said that in the Bible. He said that you're not that smart. <laughs> like, man, read through that on your own in First Corinthians. Like, He literally is saying God chooses men and women who are not the most smart and are not the most powerful and don't have the most put together and wise and noble families. People who feel foolish in the world. God chose what is weak in the world. God chose what is low in the world so that people can't claim that it's their own smartness that got them close to God. That people can't claim that it's their own getting it together that got them close to God. But because of him, you experience the more. Because of him. So let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And friends, as your very average, not so smart, a little bit funny, but also a little overweight friend, I'm just here to tell you that you have access to all of this. Like the more with God, not based on who you are, but who God is. I mean, I think about this even with the disciples. Like, as I'm getting ready to study First Peter, I'm reading all throughout the Gospels of God calling the disciples, like, going and finding them as they were fishing and calling them to follow him. I mean, they weren't, like, the smartest dudes ever. He didn't go to the most prestigious places and people who were born of these fancy families. Like, the guys were smelly fishermen, all right? And he was like, I want you to follow me, not based on who you are, just like what he said to Peter, not based on your own flesh and blood and your own smartness. I can't even say the word blood, your own (laughs) flesh and blood, but on me. Now, I do want to give one caveat to this. Uh, I do think, though, that we still need to be pursuing. So, There's a temptation in hearing some of this and this sweet freedom that comes with the gospel and this sweet freedom 
of it being God's pursuit of us, like his revealing, not based on how smart we are, to kind of sit back a little bit, you know, like put your feet up, girl, take a break. Because, man, if it's not up to me and my smartness, like I'm going to chill a little bit. And it's interesting because over the last year, as I've talked about this concept or I've like pushed into deeper conversations, I've probably had four or five people when I start, you know, talking about this, these deep thoughts about getting closer with God, say something along the lines of like, you know what, I just really have a childlike faith and I just really believe, you know, who God is and I don't push any further. Or, you know, I've never really studied that or thought about that part of God much. I don't know. I just believe that God died and, you know, rose again and says who he is. I just I just have a childlike faith. So you know what I did this week? As I was reading all of this and really studying and praying and thinking through this idea of us not needing to be that smart, I was like, God, is that what childlike faith means? Like everyone uses that term when they don't understand something or like they're not thinking through something all the way and they're like, you know what? I just have just like Jesus said, I have a childlike faith. Guys, <laughs> guess what happened? <laughs> All right. So I got out my Bible. Well, that's not true. I got out Google and I Googled childlike faith verse because I didn't know where this was in the Bible. All right. I was like, where does it say that we're supposed to have a childlike faith? Guys, that phrase is not in the Bible. Do you know that? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Look it up. Tell me if you find it. Yes, there are times that God or Jesus talks about having this um, perspective like a child. But the term childlike faith is not in the Bible, which is a bummer because I feel like we use that term a lot to explain like why we don't dig deeper. Like I just believe the Bible. God says it. I believe it. Like that settles it. I mean, okay, so here's here's what I was reading as I was looking for it. There is terms. So Matthew 18 uh, verse 3, Mark 10 verse 14, and Luke 18, 17. Jesus teaches that the kingdom of heaven belongs to little children. But in these passages, Jesus isn't talking about faith. He actually doesn't even say the word faith. Like Jesus talks about entering the kingdom of heaven and he encourages us to humble ourselves and receive truth like a child if they want to see the kingdom of heaven. Like in other words, there's these like childlike perspectives for someone to be able to see the kingdom of heaven. And I've been thinking about this a lot because, like, what are these childlike qualities or things that tend to get just, like, ripped out of us? Like, why does God encourage us to do this? And I'm thinking of my own son or just kids I'm interacting with. Like, their creativity and the way they think and their wonder and awe and their joy and hope and playfulness and trust and easy to forgive and so many levels of energy and 
thinking the best about people around them and always learning and growing. Like when I think about someone's growth and their like continued growing, if I had to describe that, I would say it's like a child. Like I've talked about this on the podcast before. Every day my son learns something new. That's his childlike perspective of growth. And somehow we've taken this term childlike faith to mean I'm not going to push into the more and I'm not going to dig deeper into knowing God because I just want to have this like childlike faith. Also, I found this article online that was talking about something similar and it said, as adults, we can get bored with flowers, bugs, and sunsets. We lose delight in talking with others about nothing. It's easy to become jaded, to hold grudges, and to not forgive. But remember, children do not behave like this, and neither did Jesus. It was one of the reasons why Jesus talked about being childlike. Friends, this doesn't mean that we don't pursue wisdom and understanding and feeling like we have some smartness and depth to our relationship with God. It means as we do that, as we grow every day like my son does in his knowledge of life, like we want to walk into this deep knowing of God in this contagious, awestruck way. How exciting to enter the kingdom of heaven like a child. And I just think that's such a cool teaching or such a cool concept to kind of wrap up this conversation on I'm not very smart. And as you look throughout the Bible, that isn't what God calls us to. He doesn't invite us or ask us to be really, really smart. But he asks us to pursue him. He invites us to get to know him. And it is the greatest adventure of all. So sweet friend, in this conversation, whether you can identify with being the number one in your class or the number 126 in your class, I hope some of these points about it not being about how smart you are, but about how smart God is, about the growth of your faith, and about how much you really, really want God leaves you feeling encouraged and just like pumped up to experience the more. You don't have to be smart to access the more. Just felt like it needed a good theme song at the end. You know, it's not up to how smart you are. How cool is that? Hey, friend, if you are enjoying the There's More podcast, would you do me a favor and leave a review? You can just go to iTunes or wherever you listen and give it a one star if you don't think it's that good. Give it a five star if you wish more people were listening. And just leave a comment letting us know, letting me know why you listen. Friend, I want you to taste it. I want you to know just this sweetness that is available to you of this deeper, closer relationship with God. Have you heard the news? There is more.